From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, it's Rachel Cook, your modern mentor. I'm the founder of Lead Above Noise, a firm poised to be your partner in retaining, engaging, and developing talent. And today, I'm excited to bring you this interview with Amy Reeves, author of the new book, College to Career Explained, Tools, Tips, and Confidence for Your Job Search. Amy Fine Reeves is the founder and CEO of JobCoachAmy.com, where she leverages her 25-plus years of experience as an executive and hiring manager to help professionals at all levels of their careers find and keep jobs that make them happy. Her corporate consulting practice focuses on career coaching for millennials and Generation Z, as well as consulting on practical approaches to implementing improved millennial and Gen Z management practices. In today's interview, she'll be sharing tips that both the newly graduated and the seasoned professional can all find some wisdom in. Well, Job Coach Amy, thank you so much for joining me today on the Modern Mentor Podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Rachel. I had the great privilege of reading your book not too long ago, and I I am probably a little bit past due as far as your target audience goes, but I do have a lot of young people in my life who I know are going to benefit from this book. And Amy, I would love to hear just a little bit of its backstory. Tell me what made writing this book feel so necessary for you and in this moment in particular. Well, thank you so much for reading it, Rachel, and I do appreciate it. This book is a personal passion of mine. When I came onto the job market more years ago than I would care to mention, but um, let's call it sometime late last century, I had a really difficult time and I failed to get any interviews in in the job that I really wanted, which was a training program on Wall Street. Uh, after having done everything I thought I was supposed to do, I went to a great school, I had a great GPA, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do in terms of campus leadership experience, and I really failed. And I took a job out of the New York Times Classified, which ask your parents if you're not sure what that is. And <laughs> for a year, I studied all that I could about the job that I wanted, uh, what those jobs really were about, how you did well in them, what you needed to do to do well in the interviews. And I basically taught myself how to get one of those jobs, which I did. Lo and behold, a year later, turns out not only was I good at the, that job, but I also really liked it. So what was the big difference from a year before? And what would have happened to me if I hadn't spent the year really focused on learning how to get a job like that? So it became a passion of mine 
to help others make that transition and not be scared off forever from being able to have a productive and rewarding career in business. I really fell in love with business. I went on to get my MBA and had a really rewarding career as both a banker and a management consultant and later on a a corporate executive and a nonprofit executive. And all through that time, I really did all I could. It was kind of a weird passion, but it was a, a passion to help people not only make that transition, but also make career transitions. Because it turns out later, a little later in life, I found myself a single mom with a small child. And suddenly I had to make the transition from being a primary breadwinner with a full-time traveling job to a primary breadwinner who couldn't travel very much. So at that second transition, I also couldn't find many resources. So in a way, this book has been 37 years in the making. But to your point about why now and why it's so much more important now, I think competition, well, I know competition has really upped quite a bit. Any parent will tell their kid, you, I couldn't get into the school I graduated from today. And that's certainly true. And if you apply that same logic to the idea of applying for jobs, that's certainly true. There's a lot more competition. There still aren't the kind of personalized resources available to anybody in the career market. My first book is with my first love, New Grads Making the Career Transition. And what I offer, I believe, is the only resource out there that is written from a hiring manager's perspective and not just from the perspective of a career person at a college or an HR person or someone who is an RA and is good to speaking with kids getting out of college. All of those resources are valuable, but I really believe that what I offer is unique because it comes from the other side of the table. Really well said, Amy. And thank you for sharing so many bits and pieces about your story. It It is this kind of mysterious and complex space that we have to step into when we're first stepping out of university here in the US. And to your point, we hit other transitional snags along the way, but it's that first transition between college and the work world where you kind of have no real life experience under your belt. You have no real wisdom or insight to pull on. And it feels like such an important transition to really, really focus on. So you begin in your book with, and I'm going to say this in quotes, things no one ever told you. Um, I too graduated from college at the very, very end of a different century. And that felt very true to me then. And all these years later, it still kind of feels true. It feels like universities are almost keeping people in the dark for reasons that I can't quite figure out. And I'd love to just get your point of view. Why do you think that that experience of the anxiety and the uncertainty of hitting the job market is so universal, and yet we all kind of feel so alone when we're first going through it? And what do you want to make sure everybody hears from you on that today? So... Rachel, I'm so glad you asked that. And there are a lot of things that no one ever tells you. One of the main things is that everybody really wants to help you. They just really don't know how. So you need to make it easy for them by letting them know what it is that you would like to do and why it is that you would be good at it. Now, it is hard for people to talk about in general what it is that they do because very few people talk about what they do when they're not doing it. In fact, when I do speaking engagements, I usually spend a couple of fun minutes at the end talking to people about what their parents, their kids, their siblings, their um, 
what their siblings and what their spouses actually do. Very few people actually know what goes on on their day-to-day lives because jobs are kind of mysterious. And when you're just getting out of college, it absolutely seems like a black box. So one of the things I tell new grads is not only to present the elevator pitch that I mentioned about what it is that they want to do and why they think they'll be good at it, but also present them with questions as to how they can ask people to talk about their jobs in ways that they can understand. So you'll find a set of questions in my book that boil it down to simple things, such as, how does your company make money? What customer do you serve? How does your job in particular support the goals of the company and how it makes money? So in that way, you give a guideline to people as to how they make their jobs and how they do their jobs on a day-to-day basis. So if you're a podcaster, you have a pretty good idea of what you do. If you're a lawyer or a doctor or um, an architect, also pretty good idea of what somebody does on a day-to-day basis. But what about if you're in market research or if you're a contract scientist or if you develop middleware There's a lot of jobs that are just kind of mysterious from the title, and most people don't want to go into exactly what it is they do on a day-to-day basis because you have to explain a lot of things in advance to get to what it is that they do. Yeah. By the way, I don't even know what some of those things are that you just mentioned, so that was quite fascinating. But I think that you're right. I love that you started with you need to believe that people want to help you. They don't necessarily always know how, and you have to make it easy for them. And I find that to be so unbelievably true. You know, I'll say when I first started coming out of college, I was probably too lost to even be ready to hear that. But I will say that when I started my own business seven years ago, that is exactly what I experienced. I started reaching out to other people in this space, feeling really apologetic about you know, taxing them for time. And yet people were so unbelievably generous with their insight and their wisdom. And I think if you start from a place of just believing that and make it easy, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're, you're sitting on a bit of a goldmine there. So thanks for sharing that. Sure. It is kind of miraculous. People really do want to help you because it's really always kind of fresh, that scar of how difficult it was to get started. And most people have a story that's very coincidental and they're very grateful for how they did wind up getting their footing at the beginning. Yeah, we do. We remember that pain. But also, you know, if you look at some of the research done by Adam Grant, let's say the organizational psychologist who my listeners know that I love, um, he's done a lot of research on giving and just actually how good it feels and how rewarding it is. And I know for me, now that I'm seven years in, I'm in a position of being able to offer that same counseling and coaching to people who are just coming up. And it feels amazing. I love being able to be of service, but I need somebody to help me to help them. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway 
The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. So I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the, the meat on the bones of your book, Amy. I love the way that you structured it. I love the sections and how you sequence them. You take your reader from focus to tools to insight, and then ultimately, of course, to landing the job. And you do it in that order. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the importance of starting with focus and maybe talk a little bit about what are the consequences if you rush too quickly to the tools without pausing and getting your focus right. Absolutely. It's really critical that you start with what it is that you want to do and build your entire strategy and your tools around the strategy of your focus. And the reason for that, Rachel, is that in an interview, you want to be able to do three things. You want to prove that you understand what the job is, that you can do the job based on the skills that you have, And the third one, which is really the most important, and a lot of people forget to do it, is that you want the job. This is the one where you really need to be authentic and prove that this is a job that you understand what you're going to be doing, that you know you're going to like it, and that you're going to do all that you can to do a good job and succeed in it. And that is what makes all the difference. Employers really want someone who is going to want the job and enjoy the job. I'll tell you how it worked for most of my career. We would bring in, let's say, six candidates for a first round, four candidates for a second round, and two or three candidates for a final round. So I would bring my team in for to decide on who gets the job after the final round. And at the end of a meeting, we would say, okay, guys, what do you think? Who should we offer the job to? And everybody would kind of look at each other and shrug and say, well, they're kind of the same. But you know what? This one wants it the most. The bottom line is the job always goes to the person who wants it the most. And if you don't start out with a focus, you're not going to be able to give an authentic answer to why do you want this job? So you really can't skip the focus part. You have to be able to really explain why it is that you want the job, why it is that you know you're going to be liking the tasks that you're going to be doing every day. Because we know that if you want the job, you're going to work that much harder to succeed in it, and you're going to work that much harder to be a good employee. So we don't want anybody who's going to come in and say, ooh, this is not what I thought it was going to be, or mm, this really isn't for me. I hadn't really thought this through. Because it's expensive to hire somebody and then lose them. We lose time and money when we retrain somebody, and it's an expensive process to hire. The Really, the best bet 
Bottom line is we want somebody who wants the job because it means they're going to stay. So you really can't skip focus because it's the center of everything. Yeah. So, so what I think I'm hearing you say, Amy, is that the power of focus is that it really helps you get clear on what you want, what you care about, what you're passionate about, so that when you're sitting in an interview with a hiring leader, you can make connections between what you care about, what your passions are, and the substance of the job and what it offers. And you can help make that really explicit for the hiring leader to really drive their confidence that you want this and it aligns to something really meaningful to you. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that you need to figure out right after college that you absolutely know you want to be a category manager at a consumer product goods store and you want to start out working with grocery store managers to make sure that the cereal you're in charge of gets put on the right aisle in the right shelf to make sure that consumers are buying it. That's not what I'm talking about. What I want, what I'm talking about is that you need to understand that something that has really always interested you maybe is how consumers purchase goods and you're interested in ads and how they maybe you've always wondered how they decide to play what ads on what channels at what times. And maybe you really like going into grocery stores and looking at how products are packaged or looking at who buys what and why. And those are things you've thought about in your psychology classes, or those are things that are of interest to you. Maybe you have always liked working with spreadsheets, or you've always liked talking to people about how they make decisions. And those are the kinds of things that you think about first, and then you apply them to a job. In your elevator pitch, the three things that you want to do is explain what kind of job you're looking for, and what skills you have you want to apply for, what skills you have that you want to use, and can you help me? You don't want to be so narrow that you say to somebody, I want a job at Pepsi in consumer goods marketing, because the person you're talking to will automatically say, "Mm, I don't know anybody at Pepsi. You also don't want to say, I want to do something in marketing because they kind of shake their heads and go, gee, I don't think I know anybody in marketing. The right way to approach an elevator pitch is to say, I'm really interested in doing something around marketing and consumer product goods, especially because I have skills using analytical skills, developing spreadsheets, doing quantitative things. And I'm really like thinking about how people make decisions and buy things. And I know that those are skills that are used both by digital agencies and by organizations that help make ads for marketing for consumer product goods. And that's the kind of thing that will make someone say, gee, I know, think I know someone who works at a company that does that. Or gee, I think I've heard someone say that they do that kind of thing at an organization that sells shampoo. So you want to be somewhere in the middle to get people thinking, not too narrow and not too broad. I think that that answer, Amy, makes a lot of sense to me. It's like you're giving somebody a lane that you want to travel down or a general sense of direction, but you haven't chosen a specific destination. So you're bringing some clarity, but you're also still a little bit flexible. And I think that feels like a really happy medium place to be in. So Amy, your book is is really full of so many tactical tips and tricks, um, which, you know, 
a little bit of philosophy is super helpful, but people ultimately want to know, like, what are the steps? What can I do? So you talk about tips for crafting resumes and cover letters and how to network and how to put structure around your search. And it's, there's so much good stuff in there, truly. But I would love it if you would maybe share two to three of your favorite secrets to landing the ideal job. If somebody just wants to pick up and put a couple things into action, what might you recommend? Well, one of the uh, most important things that I do for a client is to help them understand what an organization actually does that they're going to interview for. And this is really often overlooked and a really important thing to be able to do. So from a job description, a company can say really kind of lofty descriptive things that don't actually say what they want to do. So as an example, an organization can say, we're a environmentally friendly, reusable uh, substance organization that helps effectively transport goods in a sustainable way. And when you go to look it up on another site to explain, learn what it does, maybe an equity site that explains how the stock is traded, it will tell you it's a box company. So you really need to look, read between the lines and understand what a company does and how the job you're applying for really helps support the goals of that company. So if you don't know exactly what the company does and how the role you're applying for supports that company, it's going to be really hard to interview well. So that would be my first trick is when you're applying to something, back to the point of writing a cover letter and maybe even customizing your resume is to make sure you understand what it is that you're going for. Also, always write a cover letter if it's at all possible to do so. It gives you a second chance to make a first impression. And that's always something that you want to be able to do because outside of the strict confines of a resume, it gives you a chance to say a little bit more about yourself. A lot of companies now will allow you a few questions to gauge your personality even if they don't go all the way to psychometric testing, which is also something that's become much more current and much more widespread right now. You asked me a little bit earlier about how much things have changed since I started doing this, and that is one thing. That's another thing that can be done in a cover letter is to let a little bit of your personality shine through. It's true that you never want to be personal in any of these documents or in an interview, but showing your personality can be a big plus. That's one idea and one tip is to be as customizable as possible once you understand what the job is and what the company does is to apply your personality and your skills to that. A second one I would definitely say would be to make sure that you are letting it show through that you want this job. That's a big one, as I said earlier. I would say a third one is to make sure that you have checked all of your avenues to see if you have a connection that you can use to maybe get your resume forwarded internally. Check your LinkedIn, which is really good for serving up potential contacts. Anyone that you may know, or your parents' friends may know, or your friends' parents may know, or use your alumni directory to see if it's at all possible that someone may be able to send your resume internally and make sure that it goes to the top of the pile is a really, really good idea. Again, don't be shy about trying to ask for this. In many cases, companies will often give a bonus to the individuals who refer someone who gets hired and turns out to be a good employee. So 
if there's a way at all to be able to get that resume sent in internally, go ahead and do it or at least try. Absolutely. I think that those are all incredibly helpful. And I get questions around this from young people all the time. You know, are people still using cover letters? And I don't work in the hiring or the recruiting space, so I don't necessarily know the answer. And so I think that's really helpful. I do know that so many companies now are using AI or they're using technology to filter through resumes. And so it is hard sometimes to get found. And so don't be shy in reaching out to somebody who could potentially put a human touch and interfere and get your resume to the top of that pile. And I think that sounds like a really helpful set of starting places. One tip that I want to give anyone who's listening is that I see a lot of young people and executives too write in a cover letter, I believe that your organization and this role are places where I can really thrive. That is something that I hate to see. What I really want people to take away from this is that they're not, companies are not interested in knowing that you will thrive in their environment. What they want to know is how will you add value? Remember that as a hiring manager, I have gone to bat and fought for the salary line item that is the budget for what we are going to pay you. And I'm not that interested in how much you are going to thrive in this so much as I am, how much you are going to make me look good, how much you are going to make my life easier, and how much you are going to throw glory on my department and me and make our lives simpler. So what I want to know is how much value can you add? So it's really good to shift that lens just a little bit and say, here's what I can do for you, not here's what I plan you're going to do for me. Really useful clarification. And absolutely, that's what companies want at the end of the day. They want confidence that you are interested enough in what they're doing, but you have a clear point of view on how you can help them achieve your goals. Exactly. Being able to apply the skills that you have in the interest of the organization is a big difference than just presenting what skills and interests you have. And that is what I think is the heart of what a lot of surveys are calling the preparedness gap between what employers want and how colleges are preparing students for the work market. And that's what is about uh, right now, the 40% um, of students are who are not getting jobs out of college that require degrees are lacking, in my estimation, and what, with my book, I'm fighting against. I've noticed that some organizations are starting to post jobs with some language at the bottom that says something to the effect of, hey, did you know that women and people of color tend to be less confident in applying for a job that they feel like they have some, but not all of the skills for. And we really encourage you, especially women and people of color, to apply for a job that you may not have all the skills and qualifications for, but you believe you might be a fit. They obviously say it more concisely and more eloquently, but I love that. I'm inspired by that. I'm excited by that because for years there have been statistics around that. And so I'm curious if you're seeing that in your practice and how you are counseling people to respond to it. 
Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. And I've told people for years, you are going to turn yourself down for way more jobs than anybody else will. So maybe you are not the best one to decide whether or not you should apply for a job. Maybe let an expert decide and go ahead and apply anyway. It drives me crazy. People will say, "Mm, I'm going to throw out the idea that I might want that job because I don't like the commute. Or I don't know if um, I'm going to like it there because I have a friend that worked there five years ago and they didn't really like the people. That's crazy. You need to cast as wide a net as possible. It may turn out that the commute is hard, but you love the people. It may turn out that your friend didn't like the people there, but you will love them. You need to apply everywhere there's a chance that you may be a fit and go ahead and try. I know that there's a chance of rejection and I know that a rejection is hard, but so what? Go ahead, take the chance. Um, you miss every swing that you don't take. And I think it's absolutely fantastic that um, corporations have caught on to this. And you're right, the statistics are that men will look at a job and say that they have two of 10 qualifications and are like, yeah, I can totally do this. I'm going for it. And women will look at it and have eight of the 10 and say, mm, too bad. I don't have those two. I'm not going to do it. So yes, mm-hmm. corporations have caught on and I'm thrilled. Yes, you and me both. So Amy, there has been so much richness in this conversation. I feel like people who are interested in finding their first job are probably and hopefully furiously jotting down ideas and notes. And there's obviously so much more in the book that we didn't get a chance to talk about today. But before we close, is there anything that I haven't asked you or that you really want to be sure that people take from today's conversation before we wrap? I think we touched on a lot of things. I think the most important thing that I would like people to take away is that business is not a black box. It is really common sense. If you are someone who has had the skills to be a pretty good human in life to date, you probably have the skills to do well in business. Uh, If you are great at developing relationships and keeping in touch with people, uh, if that you may be good in sales, if you are really well organized, if you're detail oriented, if you do well under pressure, those are skills that every manager in every job wants. And you just need to be able to present yourself as having those skills and you're going to do a lot better than you think. So I really recommend that people try to get the best advice that they can from people who are already working, toss out anything that doesn't really work for them personally, because they may get some bad advice as well, and to be a lot more confident in themselves than they probably are, because they probably have a lot more skills than they realize. Amazing. Amy, thank you so much for this conversation and for the book. And I'm so honored that you took the time to be with me here today. I am as well. Thank you, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy. Learn more about her and her work at jobcoachamy.com. Please join me next week for another great episode. Until then, visit my website at leadabovenoise.com if your organization is looking for partnership in retaining, engaging, or developing talent. You can follow Modern Mentor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on the Modern Mentor Podcast page on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening and have a successful week.
Modern Mentor is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Dan Farabend with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our intern is Cameron Lacey. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.